Today we are continuing our series on C4, and so I'm going to explain a little bit of that as we go along. But if you have your Bible, you can take it, and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10, verses uh, 13 through 16. And uh, so if you want to look that up, you can do that. I'm going to share with you as a story that I have shared in here before, but it is, it is one of my all-time favorite stories, and I think it kind of fits. Now, it was back in 1982. There's a guy named Larry Walters in California. He was a guy who was a truck driver, but his dream had always been to fly. Uh, so he joined the Air Force after high school, but his vision was so bad that he wasn't able to fly, and so what he would do after work, he'd go sit in his backyard in a lawn chair, look up into the sky, and, and uh, he lived near Los Angeles, so he loved to watch planes flying overhead. Well, finally, he just kind of got tired of doing that, and he thought, you know what, I, I just need to fly. I need to try, to try to figure out what I can do, and so he, he had this incredible brainstorm. Obviously, this guy's wife was not involved in his planning, so what he did is he got up, he went to the store, he ended up buying 42 weather balloons. So 42 weather balloons, got a helium tank, went back to his house, and uh, he, he anchored a lawn chair to his truck and then tied the 45 weather balloons, or 42 weather balloons to the lawn chair, went inside, made a sandwich, because it's going to be a trip, and then uh, he got a BB gun. And he thought, I can use a BB gun whenever I go up in the air, when I'm ready to come down, I'll just shoot out each one of those weather balloons. Well, he was in for the surprise of his life sat down in the lawn chair, cut the cord, and he went taken off like a rocket. Went up so fast, he was so scared, he just grabbed onto the lawn chair, could not use his BB gun, and he just kept going higher and higher and higher. He didn't stop at like 500 feet, didn't stop at 1,000. He ended up leveling off at 11,000 feet in the air in a lawn chair. Can you imagine this guy was scared out of his mind, said he floated around for 14 hours. My favorite part of this story is he ended up wandering over into the Los Angeles airport flight path. Uh, there was a Pan Am pilot that radioed the tower. Y'all not going to believe this, he said, but I'm looking out my window right now. And he said, there's a guy in a lawn chair with a gun in his lap at 11,000 feet. <laughs> Crazy. Okay, so he's floating around, finally he starts to come down a little bit, but the, the uh, Navy sent, sent out a helicopter. Somehow they were able to grab onto the guy, bring him down to the ground. He was immediately arrested, but the reporters, I mean, y'all, I'm telling you, you can, you can look this up. Don't do it right now, but uh, if you Google it, there's a picture of Larry Walters with these huge balloons in a lawn chair. It's just nuts. So anyway, a reporter asked him, they say, he said, Larry, why did you do this? And he, he, nonchalantly he responded, because a man can't just sit there okay now okay there's a there's a lesson in this story i think other than don't go out of here and tie you know weather balloons to a lawn chair but i like the statement a man can't just sit there he's a guy just simply got tired of sitting around watching life pass by so he decided i'm gonna do something about this and i thought about the church and, and i thought you know that there's so many things that are going on in culture and in society today because way too many believers have decided just simply to sit there and let, let life pass by. And, and there just simply has to come a time, if we're going to see things be different, that we have to get engaged. We have to do something, which is why we are going through this series, C4. 
And it's in this series C4 where we as a church, as a staff, we've, we've tried to say, okay, what is it that we're going to do? You know, instead of just sitting back and passively letting life fly by, what is it that we're going to do where we're going to be engaged? And, and we're going to be engaged in C4, it, and that deals with, with our campuses. We're going to engage our campuses. We're going to engage our community. We're going to engage in our care ministries. We're going to engage in the civic process. And, and so today I just want to talk with you about the first C that we're going to be dealing with, which is in our campuses. And we really believe that God has called us, he's called our church to engage young people to engage our students. Now, I know from like a business model, you think, well, we're going to invest in, in young people, which is good, and, but yet what's the return going to be on that? Because, you know, it's not like they have money or anything. And so you might say, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that. And you might say, why are, we, why are we looking to make that a major priority and mission of our church? Well, hopefully, as we look in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, we're going to see why. And what we see in this passage of Scripture is Jesus was giving us some guidelines on why we are called to engage our young people. And for us, it's going to be engage the campuses and the schools that are in our area. And very briefly today, I'm just going to share with you some reasons we are called to engage young people. And it begins with this. God has called us to engage young people so that we, and when I say we, I'm talking about you, you and me, so that we can introduce them to Jesus. Now, that's our mission, is to introduce young people to Jesus. Look with me in verse number 13. It says, Some people were bringing little children to him so that he might touch them, but his disciples rebuked them. Now, anytime Jesus came to town, if you read through the Gospels, anytime he came there, you will see always there are just huge crowds that start following after Jesus. So the question is, why? I'm real simple. It's because Jesus was the best show in town. I mean, you know, they, it's not like they had television or anything like that. I mean, you look and see what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? You read through the Gospels. I mean, Jesus walks over and he hears, hey, we got, we got 15 to 20,000 people here. We need to feed them. So he's given five loaves of bread and two fish, and he turns it into a meal. Okay, that's impressive. People are like, I want to see that guy. Uh, there's a blind guy. That's just sitting on the side of a road, and Jesus walks over, and he touches his eyes, and all of a sudden the guy can see, and there's, you know, there's people that are crippled, and they can't walk, and Jesus walks over, and he touches them, and, and they're able to get up, and they're able to walk. So people are thinking, we want to see what Jesus is going to do. So they start following him around. Not only that, but he's an incredible teacher. I mean, he would say stuff that gave them hope, that gave them meaning and purpose. He was an engaging speaker. We're told in Mark 122 about Jesus it says they were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. And so as, as people came to hear Jesus, one thing they would do is they would bring their children with them because they wanted their children to be touched by Jesus. Now th this was a pretty normal thing during this day. Whenever a rabbi would teach, a lot of times parents would bring their children to be blessed or touched by the rabbi. And there's a lot of reasons for this, but I would think one of the reasons would be you know, sort of a little selfish. And that is that during this time, during this day, it's not like you had like 401ks or anything like that. Your retirement program was your children. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm bringing my children to be blessed by somebody because I want them to do well because they're going to be taking care of me. 
And so, you know, they're like, hey, we want our children to be blessed. And they wanted to introduce their children to Jesus. Okay, so I thought about that, and I thought, well, why is it that we as a church want to introduce our children to Jesus? Why is that such a big deal? Here's why. Statistics show us that 85% of people who were followers of Christ, they became followers of Christ before they were 18. That means only 15% of people, if they become a follower of Jesus, only 15% began to follow after Jesus after the age of 18. So, so guys, let me tell you something. If, if we are going to say we're going to engage culture, and we want to see our future be different, and we want to see things change for the better, then we better start reaching young people. We better start introducing them to Jesus because that is where change is going to happen. That's why Jesus said in our text today, he said, let the little children come to me. Now most of us are going to say that we desire for more and more people to know Jesus. And that's a great thing. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen not just because we say it, but because we will do it. That is a part of our calling. That's a part of the job description of being a follower of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, he said, go and make disciples. In other words, he was saying, go and you introduce people to me. Now, the disciples had an interesting response when the parents brought their children to Jesus. Our text tells us, it says, they rebuked the parents. Now, that word rebuke, it means they forbid. They forbid the parents from bringing their children to Jesus. And, and I would think that, that, it's not that they were, I don't think anyway, that they were trying to be mean. My guess is they're trying to protect Jesus. Probably think, man, Jesus, I mean, this is a busy guy. This is a guy that heals people, is a great teacher. The last thing he needs is to be distracted by a bunch of little crying, whining kids. And that's, that's just sort of my thought. And they're probably thinking, that we're going to keep them away from Jesus. Let me tell you something. There is nothing greater that a parent or any of us can do than to bring people to Jesus so they can meet him best thing that we can do. We don't want to ever discourage someone from bringing somebody else to Jesus. In Isaiah 52, 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, Village Church, we can know this. As we invest our time, our energy, our money, our prayers into students, you know we're doing part of God's will. We're doing something God wants us to do. And whenever a young person is introduced to Jesus, it brings change. You know, one of my, one of my favorite pastors to read about was a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Some of you may have heard of him. He was a British pastor at the Metropolitan Baptist Church in London in the mid to late 1800s. Thousands and thousands of people, I mean, back during this day, they would come to that church and they would listen and preach. He's a brilliant man. But he talked about how he became a follower of Jesus. So he's 15 years old, lived outside of London, and he said he just had this deep longing and sense within him that he did not, that he did not know who God was. And he wanted to get to know him. He just felt like, I, I want to have a connection with God. And so one Sunday morning, he woke up, and he was going to go to church. But there's a massive snowstorm 
that was going on outside of London. And so he just walked out, walked out, and he just started looking for the nearest church he could find. And he went into one church. It was a primitive Methodist church. The snow was so bad, the pastor didn't show up. But there happened to be a guy that was in the church said, well, somebody might show up. So he said, I need to go. So he went in, and he didn't know what to do. The guy hadn't preached before, so he just grabs the Bible. He just says, I'm going to read Scripture today. And Charles Spurgeon, at 15 years old, walks in, and he picks out a Scripture. He reads Isaiah 45, 22, and it says, It said, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And Spurgeon said, as he heard that verse read, he decided he was going to follow the only God that there is. And it changed his life. His life changed at the age of 15. What happened? He ended up pastoring the greatest church Britain has ever known. He ended up starting a school that has trained thousands and thousands of ministers over the years. He ended up founding, founding an orphanage that was able to take care of the needs of young people. And it all happened because somebody introduced him to Jesus. Okay, let me tell you something. I, I, now, I've thought about this. Now, you have these thoughts sometimes. You sort of think, and, and I thought, yeah, I wonder if in our church, in that building next door right now, where in our service, in the first service, the second service, would be over 200 children over there. I thought, I wonder if the next Charles Spurgeon or Billy Graham is being introduced to Jesus today. And I've wondered, I thought about our Shaken and our Surge ministry, which is our youth ministry that's on Wednesdays and on Sunday nights. I, I wonder if a future governor of South Carolina is going to meet Jesus in one of our youth meetings. And their faith is going to impact their life as they become a leader in this state. You see, if those things happen, it's going to happen because we're going to introduce young people to Jesus. So what, what is the mission of Village Church? It's a campus ministry, y'all. We're going to be involved in the lives of young people, in the lives of students. And part of the way that we're going to do that is we're going to introduce them to Jesus. But another reason why our church is called to engage young people is this. It's because we are to teach them they're wanted by Jesus. We want to introduce them to Jesus, but here's a neat thing. People need to know. Children, young people, you need to know that you are wanted by Jesus. In verse 13, it says, Some people were bringing little children to him so that he might touch them, but his disciples rebuked them. And listen to this. It says, And when Jesus saw it, it says, He was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to to such as these. Now, I, I thought about that. I thought, do we, do we value children? Now, on the surface, you say we do. I mean, I think in the United States, we spend on average, what, $13,000 per student in public schools every year. Only four other nations spend more than us. And they're tiny. To me, I, mean, I was like, that ain't fair. They're tiny little countries. Things spend that much money. We got a lot of kids. So we spend more money, really, than anybody else on our children. Uh, we're in an election season right now. You watch politicians, they get out and say good things, say things like, you know, we've got to get things turned around because we want our children to have a future. You know, we want to take care of them. So it looks like we, we value children, and I, I'm, I'm glad about that. But then I start looking at facts. You always get in trouble when you start looking at facts, right? Start looking at the statistics. Okay, here's how we value children as a culture. Every year in our nation, the United States of America, 500,000 plus babies are aborted every year. 
Is that value in children? One out of three, one out of three young girls will experience some kind of abuse, or excuse me, one out of four girls under the age of 18 will experience some kind of abuse by somebody close to them. 89% of educators say that the children they teach, that their education is hampered because of some kind of abuse or neglect within their families. So we value children. The culture of Jesus' day really didn't value children. Uh, the Romans who at the time they occupied Israel. They were known for having trash heaps outside of their home. So they'd throw out their trash, but if they happened to have a baby or a child they didn't want, they would just lay that baby or that child out in the trash heap to die to the elements. This is the way you dealt with it. Now, if somebody wanted to have that kid, they could come pick them up. They could pick them up, they'd turn them into a slave, a prostitute, or a gladiator, or anything they wanted to. They did not value children. So it's not, it's not too surprising in a sense that whenever the disciples saw children, they didn't see the children really as having a ton of value because they didn't have a whole lot to offer. And yet it is interesting to me that I see that Jesus says something that should, that should grab our attention. He said the kingdom of God belongs to who? Children. To those who are like children. Now what does that mean? Well, you think about, a, a, and this word children is speaking of toddler or a young child. You know, ch children are totally like that, especially. They, they're totally dependent upon the father and the mother. They're dependent to be cared for. They're dependent to be fed. Jesus says, you need to come to me like that, to come to me where you are dependent upon me to feed you, to give you direction in life. You are to come to me like a child. Is when a child gets dirty, he allows his parents to change him. You know, spiritually, whenever, whenever we are dirty, if we come to God like a child, we're going to say, God, I'm going to allow you to bring change into my life. So whenever we see children who are seeking after the things of God, parents, but don't discourage that. When you see a child who says, I want to follow Jesus, don't, don't tell them you can't do that right now. Man, encourage it. Because Jesus said, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so the Bible says that whenever Jesus saw them turning the children away from him, it says that he became indignant. You know what the word indignant means in the Greek? Ticked off. Jesus was ticked. So what did Jesus say? He said, you bring those kids back to me. Why? Because Jesus wanted them. Jesus had a plan and a purpose for their lives. You know, we have so many people who wander around in life directionless because they don't understand that God made them on purpose. They, they don't understand that God has a future for them, that God has a plan for them. And, and guys, as a church, we are called to introduce people to Jesus and then to teach them that Jesus wants them because Jesus has a plan for their lives. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. For those who have been called according to his purpose. The best way for young people to have direction in their lives is to lead them to Jesus. To point Jesus, or point them in the direction of Jesus. You see, they, they need to know there is a reason to follow him. That's why Jesus said, bring them back to me. I want them. You know, there was a, a movie that came out in uh, 2000, uh, 2010. The Blind Side. Y'all see The Blind Side? If you're familiar with the movie, uh, Sandra Bullock won an Academy Award. She played uh, Leanne Tui. 
and it's a family in Mississippi. Uh, they're a wealthy family, and they were driving down the road uh, one day, and they happened to see there's this boy that was walking along the road, and they, they, they drove past him, and it was, it was a boy that had, had some struggles in his home. His economic situation was bad. When they saw him, the, the, the father was driving the car, and he, he said that my wife, Leanne, he said, she said two words that changed everything. The two words were real simple. Turn around. Now, if you saw the movie, you know, she was kind of an aggressive lady, so he immediately did what she said. Turns the car around, turns around, and she opens the door, and uh, Michael Orr gets in the car. And his life is forever changed. She picked him up. She wanted to take care of him. She saw that he was a boy that was in need. said, we're going to meet that need. They, they, she, that family, they ended up taking them into the family. They ended up adopting him. I mean, 2009, he becomes the first-round draft choice for the Baltimore Ravens. Has a, has a great story. But his life changed because of two words. Turn around. Okay, that's what Jesus does here. The disciples send the kids off, and Jesus basically says two words. He's telling to the people, though. He says, turn around. Bring your kids back here. Bring them back here because I want them. I, I don't think there is a message that is more powerful that anybody can hear, but especially young people, than to hear that God says, I want you. I want you. I have a place for you. What, what is it? He said, I have a place for you in my family. I have an eternal life that I desire for you. See, God has called our church to give that message. He's called us to introduce young people to Jesus. He's called us to reach out to young people for a very simple reason. It's to teach them they are wanted by Jesus. Another reason why this church, while we're going to engage students and, and children here, here, here's the last reason. It's so that they can experience more than we can give. If, we're gonna, if we desire for our children to experience more than we can give, we've got we to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to read you the last two verses, verses 15 and 16. Jesus said, I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. It says, and after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Now, as you read through the Bible, you're going to discover that God has a special place in his heart for children. In Psalm 127, King David wrote that children are a gift that come from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're told that children are so valued that we are to teach them the things of God. You know, they're not just like little objects out there. They're not pets. We are to teach them about God. Uh, we're also told in Ephesians 6 that, that we are to not, it says, do, parents, fathers, do not exasperate your children. We are to teach them, lead them, discipline them, but we are not to exasperate our children. They are valued. They are valuable. And the way we treat those who are in need, those who need leadership, it gives a demonstration of what our faith is really all about. You know, and we want the best for our kids. You know, everybody in here, if you have children, you all want the best for your children. You know, we want them to have, you know, we want them to have the best clothes. We want them to have the best education. You want them to be on the best teams, all that stuff. The, the people in our text right here, they are just like you. They wanted the best for their children. That is why they took their children to Jesus. They're like, hey, we just want Jesus to touch our children because we want the best for them. And if you look in the Bible about what happened when Jesus touched people, it's pretty significant. You go, I understand why they want their kids to be touched by Jesus. 
I mean, Jesus touched a lot of people. The, the woman who had the issue with blood, she's touched by Jesus. She's healed. The little girl that has died, Jesus touches her, and she raises up to life again. Now, when Jesus touches, it changes. Now, now here's what's interesting to me. The parents, what they wanted, they wanted their children to be touched by Jesus, but Jesus wanted to do more. If you look in our verse, it says, I think it's in verse number 16, they came to Jesus, and it says, and Jesus, he didn't just touch them, it says he gathered them up in his arms. It's a picture of a hug. Now, touch is a good thing. And I told the first service today, you know, I like it when my family, I like it when, I like it when, like Janie, like when she'll, you know, she'll come by every once in a while, she'll pat me on the head. Okay, that's nice. But you know what's better? When she hugs me. Janie, come up here and hug me right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll never get another hug from her. Uh, but there's, some, there's something special about a hug, right? I, mean, I can, you can touch anybody. I can go, hey, man, what's happening? Touch you. But it's different if you hug somebody. Am I right? Now, if it's a stranger, you're like, okay, that's weird. Because it's intimate. You know, when, when there is a hug, it's like, I, I love you. When there's a hug, there's that sense of security. When, when there's a hug, it is, I accept you. Okay, so what does Jesus do? Jesus, the parents say, we just want to touch. Jesus says, I'm going to hug. And Jesus takes him into his arms, and then it says, after he takes him into his arms, it says, and then he blessed them. That, that word blessed carries with it the idea of prospering, to make happy. You want to bring, the best we can do is bring our, our kids to Jesus. But if you want them to experience more than what you can give, you take them to Jesus, and Jesus is going to gather them in his arms, and it says, and he will bless them. What does that mean? And that doesn't necessarily mean a six or seven figure salary. But, but what it means is when they allow themselves to be taken into Jesus' arms, they will sense peace. They will have joy. Their life will have meaning and purpose. They will know that their lives matter. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do as parents. We can teach our children how to change a flat tire. We can teach them to, uh, to balance a checkbook. We can teach them how to hold a fork. All those things are good things, but none of those things will mean as much as you introducing your children to Jesus. Okay, so here's the deal. What's the purpose of Village Church? C4. First one's campus. It's children. Our mission is to introduce young people to Jesus. Right now, as we sit right in here next door, there are adults and volunteers who are telling your children about Jesus right now. Every week, whenever there's a home football game, Blythewood High School, Westwood High School, there are people in this church, and you support it through your giving, who feed what, 160 football players every Friday night. Now, why do we do that? Because we, we want to engage them. We want them to know hey, we are a church who cares about you. We had post-game. Every home game for Blythewood and, and Westwood High School, just have like a, a part, Matthew and the youth group, the youth leaders, they, they lead a, a, a group of people over to the schools in order to give young people a safe environment in which to fellowship with one another and as a way for Village Church to say, yeah, we care about you and we want to introduce you to Jesus. 
You see, whenever we engage young people, we are demonstrating the heart of God. And whenever we introduce them to Jesus, he's going to give them more than we can give. You want to know what Village Church is about? Campus. Church is about that. We are about young people. And we are going to spend our money, we're going to spend our time, our effort, our energy, and our prayers in the lives of young people. Because if we're going to engage culture, it better begin there. Because they are the future. And 85% of people come to know Jesus before they're 18. We're going to get young people here. That sounds good, but here's the deal for you and me. If it's going to happen, we need you. We need your help. We need you involved. If you feel like God, if you feel like God is calling you to be in part of that part of our C4 ministry, I got some good news for you. There's a table right outside with a bunch of, a bunch, a bunch of ministry options in our youth ministry and our children's ministry where you can find out the information, find out maybe how you can serve and be a part. But there's a purpose behind it. It's to introduce people to Jesus. Because we believe that Scripture is true. And when Jesus says that he can change hearts, he means it. And we've seen it happen. Mm -hmm.